Hello, and welcome back to yet another episode of Less Than 10, an EVE Online Small Gang PvP podcast. I'm joined by three lovely gentlemen tonight. My name's Feral. Uh We'll just go down the list. You guys can say hello as I say your name. First up is Andy Astronaut. Hey, how's it going? And another co-host, Ten. Ten Arrest. Hey, guys. And our guest tonight is Satonia. Say hi, dude. Hey, how's it going? Uh, so Satonia is running for CSM this year. He he uh, he previously was on CSM, and he's a small ganger and good game knowledge, and he'll tell you a little bit more about it later. Uh, but first, I want to let you guys know about the sponsor of the show. That's O7 Coffee Company. O7 Coffee Company is a family-owned coffee roastery based in the United States with the goal of providing you with a premium cup of coffee no matter where you are. And now with brand new Perfect Pods, we have the options of every coffee brewing situation. You can enjoy delicious cups of coffee even in the most rushed mornings with a press of a button on your Keurig. Or take it slow with a pour over using precision roasted beans. There's options for everyone, from the office to the traveler to the nerd who's been trying to load into system for two hours with 10% tie-dye. Go to 07coffeecompany.com and use the code NANO at checkout for 10% off your order and free shipping on orders of two items or more. There's not enough coffee in the world for me to sit in tie-dye, by the way, so it's pretty good, but fuck that. (laughs) Uh, Nice. All right, let's get into what we've been up to lately. For me, uh, I haven't been playing a ton, but when I have been, I've been trying the the Shield Beam Legion that uh, I saw some of the dudes in Goron were using. Casper lost one, so I was like, yo, dude, what's this fit like? It looks intriguing. He was basically described it as a really expensive oracle. <laughs> so I was like, fuck, I'm in. So yeah, it's like lightly tanked shield buffer, beams, uh, big damage. It has better tracking, obviously, than an oracle, but pumps damage and longer range as well. Uh, like, I mean, you can use it around 70 like an oracle, but it also has other ammos that reach out further. So one thing I did was I... I there was like a, a bunch of confessors camping a hole in Thera, and they were like sixty off the hole. All the confessors with like carries hyena, gnosis, and a hick on the hole. So I used the fancy new modules we're going to talk about to make my uh, my alts cobops ship, cobops frig, um, uh, nullified. That's the word, nullified. So I just I just warped on grid, hit it for the first time, was like, YOLO, let's see if this works. Sure enough, it worked. So I, I combat probed them, just like single cycled combat probed. Got on grid, got a warp in for my legion, and just fucking started trekking confessors from like 90, which is just out of their range as they were trying to ram me. But I, you know, I figured they were going to die in a fire, but I didn't have another alt to, to tackle them. So unfortunately, they were able to warp off, but... Uh, yeah, their carries and hyena were ramming me, so I had to leave as well. It's kind of uneventful, but whatever. And then uh, somebody tackled a carrier, so I just jumped out the Thera hole and proceeded to uh, dunk on a carrier with this shield legion. On a Fortizar grid, pretty sketchy, but top damage. It did its job. That's about it for me. How about you guys? <laughs> you mentioned that carrier. I uh, jumped into system as that carrier died. Didn't get on any of it. 
Oh, Bruce snatched another one, gating his way through. Uh, where was it? Paragon Soul last night. We were like, one of our dudes, Asura, was catching up to us in a carries, and he was like, "I think this carrier is about to jump this gate. I'm going to jump with him and point him." We're all seven jumps away, so he does. The carrier aggresses him. He dies as Mac is landing in a wolf to get a second point on him, and eventually. You know, we, we kind of tried to ping, but everyone was on a, you know, all the Noir guys were on a contract fleet, so it was just like the six or eight of us, or however many it was, and we just shreked all his fighters because he only had, like, three sets of T1 fighters, and then we killed him. It's nice. hilarious. I was just, like, um, I was away at the beach, but I was, like, watching vicariously, like, the pings, and then I saw the kill mail pop up, and I was like, nice. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I've kind of been in the same boat as Feral. Like, um, work stuff has been super busy, so I haven't had a ton of time to play. So most of what I've been doing is kind of mini ping warrioring. So um, anytime there's, like, a camp up in Thera, we've been pinging out trying to bust them. And so I've gone to a couple of those. Um, and then the the first carrier that got tackled, like, one jump out of um, Thera, I hopped on for that. But otherwise, it's been working. I did do a, a little bit of blops um, like a night or two ago, I think. Um, and it was, you know, it was fun. Haven't done blops for a while, so that was nice. Nice, dude. How about you, Zetonia? I've just been kind of doing my, my normal thing. Not a ton of small gang stuff, just mostly solo PvP with a Kestrel and a Caracal. And uh, I've got a few like really really good fights. Like I uh, got a Saber one v one, killed Saber, killed a Hakati one v one. Like I got like some really tight, like really awesome kills. Uh, outside of that, uh, I've mostly just been doing some like fleet stuff, like fifty to eighty people with Volta against Fraternity. Right, because you guys got some stuff going. Like Fraternity is basically invading further north now than than Tribute and Vale, right? Yeah, I think so. They've only uh, they've only taken one system so far, but um, we'll see what happens, I guess. Right on. They do seem to move in like by unit of region rather than system. <laughs> <laughs> nice, cool. Yeah, well, right on. That's that's good. Have you? Uh, well, we're gonna talk about basically all the changes that have happened lately. Um, Mainly the we talked about the the warp core stabs and nullification last time, but CCP uh, did some changes. Uh, mainly the low slot to high slot change uh, after we released, so we wanted to kind of address them because I was pretty unhappy with the low slot, like very unhappy. Uh, I felt addicted like armor interceptors way more than I needed to, uh, and I don't know. I, they still dick scepters. Like let's just get into it and start with scepters because fleet scepters get pretty dicked. Um, when you look at the fact that they just all lose nullification. So it's not a big deal losing a high slot because most small gang fleet scepters wouldn't fit guns anyway. It'd fit like a NOS to, to keep scram on things. So like, or probes, offline probes, whatever. Not a big deal, right? But I don't know. Like I de like on my Bling Mally, I'm definitely not going to run nullification anymore, which means I'm not going to use my Bling Mally as much. I mean, it's still good on grid, but... It's such an easy ship to lose by just warping it into a fucking bubble and getting scrammed by a Hakate that, you know, I don't know. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, on I'm the Blake Mally specifically. 
Yeah, I think like I think that I'm in the boat where if I'm in a cheap um, scepter, I'm just gonna run with no nullification mod, and just if I die because I landed a bubble, I die. Um, if it's like you know like a, a long warp or there's no no pings that I can check a gate on. Um, but yeah, I'm not gonna do that with like a blinged malediction or a blinged scepter at all. So just to, to clarify, if people aren't aware, as as it has gone live, the the interceptor gets a big bonus to some of the penalties, um, but you still keep the full 50% scan res penalty, and you end up with a 10% lock range penalty. And those are the kind of the big two that affect you. Um, there's, there's a drone bandwidth penalty, but that doesn't matter for interceptors. And there's also no fitting reduction, right? So um, right. you still have the, which I think the the fitting reduction and the scan scan range are the two things that I think matter the most. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know. I think the lock range is what is what has turned me off to the stiletto. Um, to get a a lock range where you can lock as you're coming in to a heated point, especially a faction or better point. Um, is really difficult because with the stiletto, essentially you you either need a two ionic rigs or an ionic rig and a, a sig amp, and it it is already struggles with the normal stiletto fitting to get the power grid to get the nullifier on because it takes up one extra power grid, and most of the stiletto fits are like 0, 0.0 spare power grid, um, and or if you double Ionic rig it, you lose the the EM rig that it needs for tank because it doesn't have the proper Minimatar T2 resist profile. It has some halfway thing. Yeah, yeah, and that's a good point. Like you already needed to fit an Ionic on pretty much any scepter, right? So it's not like you already had good base range and this nerfed it to where you have to use one rig slot. You were already using one rig slot. For an ionic, correct. Um, like, which is actually why mandatory, right? Like you can't really get away, or it's really hard to get away with fitting an interceptor without an ionic. Right? Yes, especially as you get blingier, because yeah. you you end up going so fast that you just whip yourself right out of out of your own lock range, and then you have to relock, and that takes time. And that's where the scan risk penalty becomes extra painful. Yeah. So and there's also also the heated like faction warp disruptor range. It it just becomes. You just never will heat because you'll exceed your lock range. Right, yeah. Right. Like, what's the point of having like a really long point when you can't even lock that far, right? Like, you can right. point farther than you can lock if you're using, like, the, a... The scanner, again, compounds it because if, you're, like, you're approaching something really fast, like, let's say something is, like, 90 and you're like, oh, I'm going to ram this stupid, like, cloaky beam legion that just decloaked to, to you know, farm kills, and which is something I've done lots in a, in a scepter. And, like, now when you're approaching it, you'll hit the edge of your lock range, which is reduced, and then you'll start locking it, and you take longer to lock it. So like your effective tack, like the point at which you will finally tackle it, you you end up being way closer than you would have been in like pre-change, pre yeah. basically. And yeah, I think... there... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, there is a little trick with it where if you, like, it's really weird, because this doesn't work with things like cloaks, but if you offline it, it completely gets rid of the scan res penalty. 
So one trick you can kind of do with it is like once you're like actually in kind of a fight and you're not really like roaming around, you can offline it. But still, the scammer is still definitely hurts a ton when you're just trying to like tackle an Ishtar or something to start generating a, a fire. Yeah, for sure. I think when I do my bling Mally, that's what I'm going to, you know, if I'm if I'm in full try hard mode, which is the only time I fly a bling maledition, I'm going to offline it online it. Um, and just deal with that delay with regenerating faster and stuff because it's rough. Even with, you know, I was using actually borrowed a malediction from one of our uh, alliance mates earlier today for Rome, and it wasn't too bad with the nullifier on it. It was just a, you know, a type prop and no other bling really. Um, and you with the malediction and the crow, you even with the module on there, you still get a. 46, 47 kilometer lock range, which is like where the stiletto's at before you put the nullifier on it. Yeah, I think the, like, I don't know, I made some quick fits. I didn't like trial them, but I didn't like what I saw with this stiletto just because you basically have to dual targeting range module it, like dual Ionix or like Ionix SIGAMP or something, one of those combinations. Uh, and I, I didn't really like that. Yeah, I've, I haven't found a stiletto fit with nullification that I like, um, but I do. I don't. I don't mind this crow fit that I've been using, and I. I think the malediction's okay. I haven't even tried um, the Aries because it's an Aries, but yeah, I the think Aries it's just... still handicapped by its slot layout. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say like the Aris is just worse than the Maldiction in every single way. Like you just have to open up Pytha and uh, yeah, there's the just Aris if you can do it with a Maldiction, then why would you do it with an Aries? So yeah. yeah, I've been trying to be not too salty until I actually try it, but it's been difficult. <laughs> I've been trying to restrain it; and it's not working very well. Well, don't. Don't try with a stiletto, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll probably mess around with Malediction first and see. That's a good point with the offline, though. Like, I I mean, you on the Bling Mally, you may as well have it on, and then just, you know, as you're traveling around, you jump into a system, you're like, huh, it smells like it could be a camp there, and you use it. The, like, I liked the Bling Mally because I could start engagements and be hyper-aggressive, like, warp down into a bubble. Like, let's say you've You've like kicked the nest, and you know you're you, they got too big, and you had to leave, like warp off, and then they just sit on a gate. And with the bling Mally, I could it's it was that ship that like I I had that I could just warp down into their bubble from a celestial or or wherever at range and like land, and then get a warp in for people, and and then warp down into their bubble and start tackling things, like rather than you know because you because you're not gonna get sucked in. So if you did that without nullification you just land on the edge of the bubble where they're going to be preset with like fast lockers or something like that and you're just going to get wrecked so it's it's tough being able to do both like even turning it off you could you know i guess you could get on grid with the bubble and then turn it off when a fight's starting i don't know it feels kind of clumpy clunky yeah it's weird i think the time that you'll really feel it is when you're actively fighting and you're trying to to screen is when you'll feel that lock time and all that. And that's in a situation where you're not really warping in and out already. That's when I would start looking to offline it as you're like, you know, drive by scramming things off of your friends and stuff. Like, I think that's the, the scenario where that lock range 
really hurts you because even, I mean, you know, with with uh, the thing fitted, the interceptors all have like 600 scan rests, which if you're locking something cruiser size or up, like is real quick anyway. So it doesn't really matter unless you're trying to trying to snatch tackle off of people. Yeah, it's really like ram jags and things like that that you're trying to screen when they come in, or if you're trying to you know catch ratters as they before they warp off kind of thing. So yeah, I guess that's Fleet Scepters. I don't really know if we have anything else to say on them. It's just one of those things, I think. You know, it's definitely a nerf. I don't think nerfs were needed to Fleet Scepters, but if it's, you know, some... Yeah, I guess that was going to be the only other point I was going to make is why. Just like the, the was it needed or what what was the purpose of it? Yeah, that's something that I really um, was disappointed with. The communication around the last couple patches, there has... There has not been, I guess, since the the Marauder patch, they talked about their like what their intentions were for giving them, you know, the Marauders these boosts. They want to make them the premier PVE ship, and they're not seeing that usage, and they want to buff them and get that in there. And I, you know, regardless of whether or not I agree with their logic or their plan or whatever, it's nice to to hear that kind of thing. And we didn't get any of that around the interceptor changes. Right. Um, or any of these changes we're about to talk about is just like here's the change, and they they did take feedback and move it from the low slot to a high slot and adjust some of the, you know, some of the details of it and stuff, which is great. But they never came out and said we're doing this because we want to make less passive bonuses and more active choices, or you know, we think fleet interceptors as combat ships are too powerful, which is a situation that some people have feelings about, I guess. Um, but I think we all think there are other better solutions to that. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Like, if you look at some of the other patches, they at least say what it's aimed to kind of solve. And I feel like credit where credit's due, they did a really good job of iterating on it from the point where it, like, first hit the test server to the point where it was actually live. But like you said, there there wasn't really a, like, this is the issue we're trying to solve. And like you said, you know, um, there's some things like the, um, like cloth leads and things like that, that used to be an issue. But on one hand, like that's why we had the combat interceptor changes. And if that didn't really solve the issue, like there's other ways, like not being able to fit a nullifier and uh, like DPS mods at the same time or whatever might be like a better way to solve the same issue if that was the issue. But I think that's the thing is like a lot of people are just guessing at what they were trying to solve because it's not, exactly clear yeah Yeah. and i think that affects their you know the feedback they get too is there's you know a broad player base with cumulatively a tremendous amount of experience with eve and obviously there's a lot of people who are like mad because change is scary um and there's a lot of people who are mad because of their very specific niche use of something changing um but there are a lot of people who if you said this is what we're trying to accomplish, the feedback you would get would be, you know, more tailored to that. You know, a lot of the feedback I was seeing on the forums to start with was, was why, why are you doing this? Why would you do this? I'm kind of like, I'm of a different opinion. I don't think it matters why, like if CCP wants to go that direction, they should go that direction. And it's so much energy to explain why on every change. And like on feedback, the, the shitty thing is, is like, you almost need people that have, a, like, and it's their full-time job to decipher, like, shit 
like like what is good feedback and what's bad feedback because there's just so much and we can oh, say yeah. this that's CSM's job but it's really not because you could have good feedback from like put 10 really experienced Eve nerds in a room and you'll get like plenty of of different opinions on feedback even you know what I mean like it's such a even if they're all experienced in similar things like aside yeah. from the really bad changes you know what I mean like really terrible but, <laughs> yeah I don't know I think that obviously it wouldn't like magically transform all feedback into useful feedback but i think that it it could you know not not making an argument for it or trying to justify it and not getting into that conversation um because that's a whole other thing but ccp wants to make this change and this is like ccp wants to accomplish that fleet interceptors are not used as combat ships anymore great they'll get a million suggestions that they have to sort through but if they just say we're changing fleet interceptors, they'll still get a million suggestions, and half of them will be totally irrelevant to their goal. Yeah, I, I think I kind of see Farrell's point that like a lot of times you're going to get shit feedback no matter what. But I think the thing is like not so much even whether or not you guide feedback. I, I think you're right that you get a little bit more feedback, like better feedback, when you give the purpose. But I think even just like satisfaction with the changes, even if you disagree with them is higher like you said like with marauders like i don't like the marauder changes but i can at least see what they're doing so it's like okay let's you know give it a chance and see if this is as bad as we think it's going to be kind of thing where right. here like i don't even know what the purpose was so it just felt like someone like kneecapped me <laughs> like tony I, if... you want to be on the csm what's your take right <laughs> what would you what would you do on the csm what's your take on on all this I, I just really hope the CCP uh, takes the time to do like a pass on fleet interceptors now, like they did with the interdictors. Like they, they did a really good job, I think, recently with the interdictors. Like they buffed them in October, then they rebuffed them in, I think it's January or February, and now they yeah. all feel like they're really strong in their own ways. So I really hope they come back and look at them because you know, like we mentioned, the Arius is worse than the Maldiction every way. It has worse fittings. It's only twenty ms faster. It's got the same agility once you put a prop on both of them. And the Maldiction has the resistance bonus, and the Maldiction also has better lock range. So there's like no point in like ever using an Eris over a Maldiction. Yeah. And there's kind of a similar, there was at least a similar thing between the uh, Stiletto and the Crow, right? Before this change, like no one would ever fly a Crow over a Stiletto. And yeah, that's kind of what happened with um, the combat interceptors, right? Like they originally got their um, nullification removed and they were just absolute shit and there was no reason to fly them. And then they got kind of the unique afterburner bonuses that kind of gave them at least some neat niche that they could. Yeah, they got a fill. DPS bonus as well. So they're, right. you know, they're usable for certain things now as opposed to just like that ship exists, I guess. Right. Yeah. So maybe we'll see something like that that'll. Um, I don't know, make fleet interceptors kind of unique well, in their I, own way again. I find myself when there's changes I don't like, I always find a way to like like them pending some other thing. And you'll we'll talk about this later when it comes to the, the proposed cloak cloaky camping changes and stuff, because like it, like you say, it would Eve be better with the fleet interceptor changes and then also doing like a rebalance. And by the cha fleet interceptor changes I mean like the interdiction nullification changes. Per per like per yeah. You can't even speak right now. Pertinent to the the fleet scepters, um, if they do a little rebalance and and you know, is it is the gameplay going to be in a better place? Like who knows, maybe. But uh, I definitely find myself like clinging to that. Well, if they do other things, I could really like this.
So we'll see. But how about, I mean, drone ratting is one place with the warp core stabs where, where they, they wanted to like specifically touch. I think everyone could, could see that where, where that was aimed. We're talking about the drone bandwidth. So did that has, have its effect? I mean, it definitely like you can still warp core stab PVP ships like as Lucy Liu, aka Ibeast, uh, demonstrated with a material like as soon as the changes went live. Um, but does it do its job like shutting down Ishtars and Gila's? Yeah, I think it has. Uh, we've caught it a lot more, at least now, that you can't just do a triple stabbed Ishtar. I also like the fact that now a, a Scepter can always guarantee that they're going to point something if you have like the point and the scram on someone. You don't need the you don't need like a faction scram or like a bling mally or something to hold something down. You know, if like if you tackle an epiphor or something with a scepter, you know you've always got them. And that's like, also yeah. they yeah, I was gonna say that's also something they iterated on, which was kinda cool. Like the the fact that the it used to be minus three um warp, or plus three warp stability and now it's two, right? Yeah, can we talk about them iterating on the drone penalty on the nullifier and how just like the produce is already in the trash, so let's just fucking put it to sleep. Like, <laughs> what is that about? Why does the nullifier have a drone radio, drone bandwidth penalty? I assume it's because it has the exact same penalties as the warp core stab, and they were trying to like keep the penalties the same or something, so that they're easier for people to understand. So, I don't know. Yeah, but does I just like the Proteus is already not the best T three cruiser, and now it just cannot be nullified and use its drone sub, which is the only T3 with a fully drone specialized sub system. So why does it like, you know, if they wanted to penalize all of them, that's one thing, but it seems weird to leave it on there when the selection of ships that can use that module is so limited. The Proteus is going to get a monster buff, and it won't matter anymore. You heard it here at, first. At least the Proteus, like, so I think of, like, DD, like, Maze Runner Proteus. It's like Blood Ruin used to use a Proteus that could do the maze, but he would also use it to tackle other ships doing the maze and kill them. So, like, I think of that where you could fit it to be nullified and for travel and, like, fucking whatever. If you get tackled, like, then negate camp, you're dead anyway. But at least you could do like a Cobops nullified Proteus for travel and then refit when you get to your, when you want to run your site, I guess. Yeah. I just, it's yeah, just, I agree with just you. That the, was pretty the, the wildly Whatever. skewed penalization is, is what confuses me about it. It just seems like they copied it from the warp core stab and stopped thinking about it there. So you're saying that maybe, maybe they should have made the warp core stab, like a direct damage output penalty not drone no i just think they should have thought about how these are two different modules used in two different situations and tailored their penalties to those two different situations yeah so like yeah i see what you mean yeah it kind of feels like the uh the drone penalty doesn't need to be there the only ship that it really mattered on i think like outside of the proteus was the astero because you could only use two lights on it which like made it that kind of a trade-off for like covert ops but but now, yeah. now you can't fit it on an Astero. I don't think there's like re really any reason to keep the the drone penalty on the nullifier. Yeah, it just affects the Proteus and maybe the Legion, depending on your fittings. And the rest yeah. of them, like the Loki, doesn't have significant drone situation. The Tengu really doesn't have significant drone situation. And then the other things are 
you know, not to jump ahead here, but like the, the haulers that can use them, I think mostly don't even have drone base. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay, so how about travel? Is it worth mentioning travel? I mean, they gave shuttle. Shuttles are always nullified. So, like, I don't know, GG, go, just go shuttle if you want to burn yeah. around, I guess. But, like, um, I guess the only thing on warp core stabs, so you mentioned that, um, the iBeast used one on a Macarial and it worked well. I'm curious if it's maybe like the one thing I haven't tried yet, but I thought about instantly was like maybe it's a buff to Brawlers, um, but I don't know if it will be with the fact that you can only get the the plus two. Because I was thinking like if you bring something that's brawly, you can kind of brawl down anything that's within scram range, and then if you have an MJD, you can kind of uh, MJD away and warp off if you're just pointed by things that can cut you out, or, you know, you can fight things that are close. So I was wondering if maybe the warp core stab kind of can come into play there somehow with either, like, battle cruisers, like, um, or battleship kind of brawling. And I was curious if anyone else has, like, thought about trying that or not. I've thought yeah. about it a little bit. I think it would have been a lot more usable in that way with the three points than the two points. Um, just because of the the relationship with faction scrams, but yeah, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, like maybe in low sec, if you have gate guns on your side, where you can't just have like an interceptor sit there and scram point you. Yeah, I could see like a low sec tempest or something. You've got the newts if they're in scram range, and then you can MJD or. You know, if they if they dive, you can use the warp core stab and still escape, kind of thing. Yeah, the only issue really, right, is you're you're losing a low slot. I've seen the 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 places I've seen it fury craft the most are kind of like on something like a Hakati, like the whole Hakati, because you don't really get that much out of the third mag stab, and you can fit a warp core stab there, and then that way you can like almost always dive out of a bad situation. Unless you end up fighting a faction ship for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I guess the question, like you sort of have to brawl because it also has that massive scan res, or scan res, yes, but also lock range penalty. So unless you're on a formerly nullified ship that gets that reduced, it's half your lock range. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking as well. Is like you can't use it as like a kite platform. Um, so maybe it's kind of intended to be like a kind of quiet buff to brawlers. Yeah, maybe. I definitely the couple of Ishtars I've seen, or that I've seen before they warped off miraculously quickly from their sites, um, didn't have stabs anymore because they just they didn't weren't willing to give up the, the drone bandwidth. Yeah, uh, I've seen that the Ishtars have changed sites quite a bit now, though. I see a lot more in rally points now because there's no tackle rats in the rally points, as far as I can tell. But there is tackle rats in like Forsaken Hubs and uh, Havens. So I really wish right. people would maybe look at that because. Interesting. Yeah, I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, there should can. be tackle. There's, well, we're going to talk about this later, but there should be fucking tackle rats in every site. That's I agree. Opinion. And they should <laughs> never switch targets when you warp in. Oh, All right, so <laughs> you are. did you guys want to mention anything on travel or no? Uh, yeah, this whole patch was a <laughs> humongous buff, sort of, to DSTs and blockade runners. Your blockade runner can now cloaky warp out of bubbles. 
Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, hauling has definitely got a huge buff. Like hauling um, via DSTs and, and block raid runners. Like not jump, not jump freighter hauling, but like conventional hauling. I guess. Yeah, it's, it's also made it like super super safe if you're doing like uh, shallow holes. You know, like you're only going one jump in, like you're going into Ferra or you're going out of Ferra. Like it's almost impossible to catch. You know. Yeah. For yeah, sure. you Especially can warp to. Uh, yeah, warp to a high sec. Just turn the nullifier on and warp and. You know, you're going to land at the hole of zero. That's going to be that. Yeah, so I guess that part is nice in a way. Um, I don't know if it was really... I mean, I, I kind of liked that there was some danger to moving haulers, right? Like, I would rather have Inties still be, like, really safe to move and haulers be less safe. But it doesn't... I'm, I'm kind of neutral on well... those changes. I think Indies are still pretty safe because even with the nullifier having a 30 second uh, reactivation timer, you know, you're yeah, never you going to, you just wait for your gate cloak and then warp out, you know, and maybe you can't just warp directly gate to gate over and over again without waiting for the gate cloak. So you're a little slower or something, but you're not really in any more danger of being caught. Yeah, that's fair. As long as you're only moving and not trying to roam. That's, that's like, it's the roaming right. nullifier. It's the roaming nullified stuff that, that got a, a, a nerf. Right, yeah. But with, let, we sound like a broken record now. Yeah, but. we can move on. <laughs> we could talk about Marauder some more uh, if you want. We, we will eventually, because uh, at the end, uh, it's going to be dumb, but we're going to just do like a junior game dev session where we talk about proposed changes and cha previous changes and changes, changes, changes. Every actual dev is just going to love us for giving them all the great ideas. <laughs> Yeah, right. So before we get into the next thing, which is like the proposed cloak changes, uh, Satonia, like, why did you decide to run for CSM again? Because you did CSM a couple of years ago, right? And then you took a, a few year break, basically. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I was on CSM 12 and CSM 13, and I left uh, mostly because of real life. And then CSM 15 was coronavirus, where I was like super busy because I was like a frontline worker. So didn't really have the time to do the CSM then. Yeah. And um, I'm super excited by a lot of things CCP has done recently. Maybe, maybe not quite the, the nullification stuff, but, <laughs> but you know, like the uh, the new, like the ESS, the new ESS bank keys that are going to be opening up pretty soon, I think. Yeah. Yeah, looking forward to seeing how that's going to work. Uh, team Talos have uh, like generally like they've uh, they've done a really good job I think of like doing these really fast balance changes even though like some of, some of the ones this year have been pretty painful like the Marauder change yeah mostly just yeah. like super super excited that CCP is like changing a lot of things at their core as well like it seems like they're not they're not just like changing like stats in a database or something they're like really like changing like fundamental parts of the game that really excites me and that's why I want to run because uh, I want to represent solo and small gang. Yeah, they nice. definitely have been crushing it. I would agree. Like, there's a lot of a lot of good changes. But yeah, we've said this like a hundred times, Farrell. But you know, I will take changes that I that I don't like regularly over no change at all, hundred percent. Right. <laughs> like, you know, keep changing things and come back around to the things that you've changed and tweak them and just like movement is good. Yeah, and like Suetonia said, like if you kind of zoom out to more than just like the last month or so, like there's been a lot of kind of unique changes, interesting changes, things like that. Like the interdictors, the combat scepter changes, like all those things were actually like pretty good. The ESS stuff, like 
all of that is like interesting changes that I think make the game more dynamic. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's get into the proposed cloak change. Well, it's not really cloak changes, I guess. It's the the mobile observatory, which has been kind of rumored and peaked at for a long, long time. Um, it we we've seen some the direction that that is going, and let's just start by before we explain what it is, like. Let's just go down the list and initial feelings in like three words. Andy? Uh, doesn't stop what it's intended to stop is my kind of hot take. Okay, 10. Uh, it's a interesting piece. Zetonia. <laughs> uh, this is funny. Good bit issues, I would say. Good bit issues. Mine would be uh, needs more changes. How's that? Yeah, and I think also, we can all yeah, agree on that. I think yeah, we're all so my, kind of on the same page here. Well, my mine is like a little deeper than just the like exact mechanics of like the changes that they've announced. Um, and I don't know, it's maybe it's controversial, but like I really dislike passive playstyles in Eve. So. I think uh, AFK ratting, not not botting, AFK ratting. I think it's bullshit. I think you shouldn't be able to just like press a button and then uh, like watch Netflix on another screen while your rat your Ishtar orbits orbits a site and finishes it. Um, I I think that's absolute absolute garbage gameplay. And uh, when they, I was super happy when they announced a while ago that they were going to change the drone aggression changes so that that wouldn't be a thing. Drone ratters would have to press F. Uh, on each rat, just like someone in a Vindicator would. Um, I thought that was great. Uh, I know, I'm not stupid, I know that that would cause less people to be ratting, and I'm okay with that. Uh, Because, likewise, I think that they should be giving ratters a bigger carrot. So, like, I I think they need to totally rework the NullSec ecosystem of how ratting works with this change in mind, because cloaky camping is also bullshit. Uh, it's also a bullshit gameplay where you shouldn't be able to have an impact while you're not at the computer. And a lot of people will say things like, they'll defend this by saying like, oh, but I don't have an impact because I'm not actually there, so I can't have an impact. Well, yeah, I'm like, if you yeah, don't have don't an impact, then either. why are you upset that they're changing it? You know what I mean? Like the fact that people are upset about it just reinforces the fact that it, it does have an impact, a fairly large one. Nobody likes to be cloaky camped. Um, unless you're yeah. like a, a combat player and all you want to do is PvP. If you want to make ISK, people don't like cloaky camping. It, it is effective and it's it's a garbage gameplay in my opinion. So anyway, that's what I mean by it needs more changes. I think that they need to totally change the entire ecosystem around how NullSec residents generate ISK and add more risk like make remove risk by removing cloaky camping sure add more risk by uh retooling the anom so that there's more tackling frigs maybe even update the ai this is a big wish list by the way um so that you know when you come into system there's an actual chance that the ishtar or the gila or you know maybe even if they do the drone aggression changes will be saying the harbinger or the you know Hyperion that's ratting um, won't just be able to leave right away. It'll be tackled by rats, giving people that are roaming a chance to get into the site and force some PvP on people. 
and yeah, and then also at the same time, give them a bit of your carrot by increasing the amount of bisque that they're going to generate. That's my opinion, which would then put bigger pots in the ESS and you know what I mean? I don't know. I think that sounds like a healthy ecosystem. What do you guys think? Tear my idea apart. Well, I guess, do we want to talk about how it's proposed to work? Like, I think I agree with that theoretically that, you know, having more people being, or fewer people overall, but all of them being active is more engaging for everyone than having way more people out, but half of them not actually playing the game. And I also, like, really agree with the the argument that people who are cloaky camping like AFK camping do impact people who are actually playing the game actively. Yeah. And I don't know if I, really have to explain it because I think most people that listen to our podcast like follow I, closely enough that they know what the changes are, I believe. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you're not, maybe go look it up because it is time consuming to ex- explain all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, basically the big thing is it's kind of like the mobile sign beacons where it's a deployable, it has a delay time before it goes up. And then after it goes up, it pings every X often um and then if you cloak initially you have like a 15 minute invulnerability but then after that you can be decloaked by these pings yeah there's like a 40 percent chance they can stack them they have like 30k ish ehp so they're pretty easy to kill and they're yeah. single use like a like a mobile sign on hip you put them down you can't pick it back up again and as of now they can be anchored on structures right but that's theoretically a bug is what i heard but i'm not sure yeah tcp uh, rise said on twitter that they will be further on citadel so i assume that it'll probably be like a sensible thing like at least 100 off or something ideally i'd like them to be like not even in gun range but yeah I was gonna say, <laughs> I was, yeah i mean if they do something like the other beacons and jet bridges where it's out of out of gun range, I think that makes sense. Where you actually have to defend it if you're going to put one up. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, it's all the the actual mechanic of it is fine, but the exact timings of it are what makes or breaks it. You know, they've capped it at a certain number per system, so you can't just drop a hundred of them and just ping twenty four seven, things like that. But the way the timings work out for some things, like if you're trying to catch a super capital that's traveling and cloaking or something, the last iteration of it that I saw, you know, the timer is short enough that if you're on the ball, you're almost certainly going to catch them. And that feels yeah. like a little too much. Yeah, right yeah. now, uh, right now it's a 15-minute timer, right? When you first activate cloak for immunity, but if you, uh, if you're if you're if you've jumped recently you can have anything up to like a 30 minute red timer if you've killed people so if you're getting actively hunted by people you need to be able to cloak to be able to cap up i think it takes about 30 minutes to cap up as well so it's like a it's gonna really really hurt uh nano supers i'm hoping that ccp just doubles it to 30 minutes and then maybe makes like faction cloaks because you'd fit a faction cloak on a super anyway like maybe have uh, double that like an hour or something and yeah. that would be good enough because an, an hour is still like not enough time for you to AFK cloak really, right? Like you could maybe get away of like going to the store or something, or you know, I think 15 minutes is a little too short as well. Because, like, I think like uh, for, for people who are like AFK but they're still kind of playing, like if you want to put your kids to bed or something, right? Like 15 minutes might be like a bit too short for something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think it would make sense, you know, just. The, given the way the rest of modules work, like it's a little weird that everything from a you know prototype cloak to a 
faction concord cloak or whatever gives you the exact same benefit in this regard. So it seems like having it scale up a little bit or giving the, the higher end ones a little bit of a multiplier right. would make sense. Or even, like you said, having the um, kind of, not just the faction ones, but just having kind of the non-covert cloaks where you can't actually move with them on, having those have a longer um, timer than the covert ones, I think actually makes sense. Um, because if you think a lot of the ships that you're flying that don't have a covert cloak, um, they can't move around. So if you're trying to actually hunt someone, you have to decloak before you can move and try to get on top of them. And then the, a lot of times that's the ships that are kind of sitting there, like a, a bridger that's not really a threat, or like you said, like a moving super or a nano super, where you're usually not going to like sit a nano super in system and decloak it, warp it down to someone and hit them kind of thing. Yeah. And it also, you know, the ships that can fit covert cloaks are also the ones with the reactivation delay bonuses. So it's not, you know, a huge threat to a stealth bomber to have to decloak for, what is it, five seconds every 15 minutes? Like, that's no one's going to get caught and killed in that span. But something like a supercarrier that doesn't have that delay reduction has to be decloaked for much longer and is much easier to combat probe. So, I don't know. I'm not sure there are a whole lot of nano super hunters out there in the world, but we should preserve them in our little zoo or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I think, like, um, this might be, like, a weird take, but what I was kind of hoping we would see is, like, number one, um, like, more of a system deployable type thing, or, like, a, um, like what we have with jump bridges and things like that, where it has to be anchored on a structure and there's some cost to run it. And then either it has a mechanic similar to now where you can you know, use it and ping it and it does its thing and then has like a long cooldown or something like, um, uh, like a storm generator. So they already have like a storm effect, right? That forces no cloaks in a region. I thought it would be cool if you had like a generator where you essentially can generate a mini storm. It lasts for X amount of time and then has a long cooldown, and you were able to like generate a no cloak storm. And to take that one step further, imagine if other people could kind of hack it and turn it on. That would actually make it a cool like counterplay as well, right? Like, yeah, you have this storm thing that you can turn on to defend yourself, but also other people can turn it on when you don't want it on. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, so I think anything where you have something like that where there's like a trade-off to using it, but you are able to use it. So, you know, coordinated groups would be able to maybe put one in a couple different systems, like routing pockets. You create kind of your main storm and your minor storms around it, and you can, you know, rat in those systems actively, and then you can move to another system while it's on cooldown, or like another group of systems while it's on cooldown or something like that if you, you know, are coordinated and using it effectively. Yeah, there, I mean, sound, sounds like a lot, but yeah. Yeah, anyway, yeah, and the current iteration, like we were saying, is just about how exactly they implement the timings. That's what's going to make it, you know, wreck certain game styles or not. Um, but I agree, and 
you know, like I was saying, it, it, it will be interesting as a part of nullifiers becoming active, cloaking becoming semi-active, you know, with this cooldown management. And if they're gonna, you know, move ratting in that direction and stuff too, that would be great. If it's like you were saying, Feral, systemic change, they've dug themselves a little bit of a hole, I think, in that regard, because um, if you make nullsec ratting active, it has to be more lucrative than running abyssals in instances, or there's no reason to ever do it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I really wish they looked at like the like how PVE is in the game, like overall as well, because like almost all PVE in this game, like with, with the exception of, exception of incursions and some other things, is like done entirely solo, right? Like you don't run havens as a, a group together; you always just run them solo. And there's no like real benefit to running them as a group because I think that would help content too, because I think a lot, lot more people would be like a lot more confident to take fights. If they, you know, it wasn't just an Ishtar in a Haven, maybe it was like five guys and they could like kind of do it somewhat in like PvP ships or at least have like two PvP ships there with like three crabs or something. Yeah, yeah I think the the one issue there, right, is we've seen some content that's kind of aimed at groups, even small groups. Like if you look at the Frigate Abyssals, right, in theory, that could be three friends running them, but you just see people multi-boxing them. And I wonder if you would see the same thing if you made havens or whatever like a kind of quote-unquote group group effort like if it would just be people multi-boxing them more maybe that's a like there's a there's a cultural issue with some of that stuff where you know everything that people learn about eve is that like the solution is an extra character oh you players are the worst though really like it's just i don't know i'm not a not a big fan it's it's definitely like uh there's there's many mechanics and activities and things in Eve where where player mindset uh makes it like not as good as it could be. I yeah, guess, ruins a good thing. It's easy to blame players. You could blame that on devs too for engineering systems that well, uh, allow that. But like, yeah, it's it's part of Eve. It's like deeply rooted in Eve's culture. So it is, but I I think that. CCP could have a lot more influence over that than they do if they made a deliberate effort towards it. Like if they had some people whose whole job was messaging about that stuff, people listen, you know? We all like pretend we're optimization robots playing Eve, but in fact, we're all people and people listen to that kind of pressure. Yeah, but well, and CCP doesn't really- also profitable, so. There's that. Yes, there's that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. Well, if like, they made the game more fun to play with one account, then they'd probably have more single account players joining. Yeah. Well, it's also a point of like when they make the game more fun to play, if it's a PvP related thing, they're making it less fun for other people, um, which kind of can lead us into the Marauder change. So like, if you if anyone has been paying at all any attention to the Lesson Ten Discord in the last uh eight weeks um you would have seen at, this talked about at least once so like i don't know so i'm really eager to hear what satoni has to say about marauders because i know you you do agree that they're really really strong but 
like let's talk specifically what we think should change if anything to marauders and maybe like a little i don't think we need to get into this because this is like what the discord discussions were about but like if they even need to be nerfed and why yeah, I mean, they're, they're obviously uh, OP right now, especially for home defense, especially inside the ESS grids, because a lot of the things that, like, shit on Marauders, like caps, they, they can't get into the, the ESS. I, I also, like, the, the thing I don't like about Marauders is the fact that they have, like, zero, like, weaknesses or or there's nothing you can do, right? Like, before they had the ECM weakness when they weren't in Bastion, but now, uh, now they like even shored that up. So even when they're not in Bastion, they're, they're actually hard to jam now, and you can't TD them, you can't damp them. They have like insane mobility. Uh, on like uh, you know, a Varga goes like 1.5k a second with like no prop fitted, effectively, right? Yeah. yeah. So if it just MJDs on cooldown and doesn't move otherwise, it's like 1.5 or 1.7. So you just like you can't like you can't really kite away from them either and it's just like insane like i kind of wish that maybe they'll like maybe they just removed they kept the damage because i think that's like a core part of them now but just like make them uh, take away the ewar immunity maybe maybe give them ewar immunity when they're not in bastion so then you have a choice right like if you're brawling and you want to be ewar immune you can choose to just not go into bastion and not get the damage and tank but if you're forced to go into bashing because you need the tank or you want the damage, then suddenly you can be affected by Ewa, and then maybe that makes you think a lot more about like decision making or something. Yeah, it's interesting that like there's a there's a cumulative effect of these factors. The mobility lets them sit at long range, and if even if you get in close to them or as you approach them, they can just hop away again. And the way range interacts with transversal means that they can hit you with long-range guns really well. And that combined with Bastion's range bonus, just like it all stacks up, and then you're getting volleyed by an Artie Varger from 150. Even though 10 seconds ago, you were 20 kilometers away from it. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, also may, I also think it uh, really makes uh, grids feel way more claustrophobic now than they already were. Because you have to be like you have to be closer than 150, right, for them to not just like fleet warp onto you. So they'll just like like send a scepter there, or they'll just like probe result fleet warp to you. But you you have to be like further than like 40k to like not like get muted by like an X type new or something. But then you yeah. also need to be like closer than 70 to not get memed by something jumping on you. So you're kind of like forced into there's not much space where you can yeah, even be the the space the safe space is off grid yeah that was kind of the my i guess like i'm okay with them doing a ton of damage and being like oppressive if you're nearby but what you said really sums it up well which is like it just feels like skill and positioning doesn't really matter anymore because there's nowhere you can be where even if it's hard to be there and it takes skill to stay at that range, like there's just no actual range, which used to be the case. It used to be that you could kind of stay right between, you know, warpable distance and like farther away than gun optimals, but not far enough away that they could warp to you and you could actually like engage there or pull people off. And that just like doesn't exist anymore because that's Marauder MJD distance. 
Right. And that was true before this last patch, but the difference is that before this last patch, Marauders weren't doing 1600 DPS or 15k volleys in those ranges. Right. And there's also, you know, when they first did the Marauder changes, they kind of proposed making a longer MJD cooldown. So maybe it would be something where you could bait out the MJD and then like, or I guess it wasn't the MJD, but it was the Bastion, right? That they was initially longer. So yeah, there used to be a thing where like, maybe you could, you know, bait them into Bastion and then you could fight for a while before they would go out of Bastion or something. But that's just like not the case either. Well, 30 seconds is long enough that, like, hypothetically, let's say you were trying to bridge bombers onto a Marauder. Uh, it, it's actually quite difficult to bridge, get them through, and kill it. Especially, like, at, you know, it, let's say you, you, you're you lighting at, like, 400, so you can squad warp the bombers down. Or even like, because if you're light on Grip the Mar Marauder, as soon as it locks, your Sino is going to be dead, unless it's you know super tanky. So like, it, it's just this kind of weird thing with the 30 seconds. I think it's even tough to to bait them out. I mean, obviously people are killing them, um, but the problem that I have with them is like, yeah, you can kill them if you're like a super a super good uh, coordinated group with really good communication and blingy ships and, and a stuff. specific can... plan set up for it. Like sure. no, no matter how good you are, the casual roam ships you have on grid aren't going to kill it. It's the well, things that's the you thing. bring it's, to kill a marauder are going to. It kill raises it. the bar. It it ra it makes the bar the barrier to entry to roam nullsec, uh, and have much pleasure in it. Uh, which a lot of people would argue that there's no pleasure in it now anyway. But people people like to complain, right? So like. Four people that just want to like hop in, you know, let's say like a hurricane, a, a stiletto, and like a VNI and something else, right? Like they're just gonna get absolutely fucking dumpstered by marauders, and that's gonna happen like most times. So those people aren't gonna enjoy small gang. They're not gonna enjoy, you know, roaming. Uh, just like people didn't when you would jump into a system and a fucking super or a carrier would like insta tackle you on a gate with its fighters at zero and it like 300 off and you know you couldn't get away from it because it was locked so fast and it had sirens on the gate and then you just get volleyed because the things would do so much damage before you could get up to speed. Just like that was really bad. Like. It, it ends content and stuff like that. I don't know. That's my opinion. Yeah, I feel like it's that, but it just feels more accessible. Like, I see more Marauders than I ever saw Supers camping gates. Yeah, I just leave. Like, the other day, I was roaming with a couple dudes, and we had a carries on grid, and a Varger warped in. And I was like, all right, like, I'm leaving. Uh, time to leave. Like, this is, there was also a, a hick and some other things, right? It's just like, yeah, fun's over kind of thing. And he, like, stayed on grid for three seconds and then died. Yeah, and, like... To an auto, to an auto cannon Varger. It's like, dude, I told you, like, time to leave, man. Like, it's... You can't do anything. Like, you can't damp it. You know, he hasn't been, like, hyperactive, so he didn't really know that, like, yeah, there's nothing I can do against it. Yeah, and that's the thing. is like, I don't want to kill it. Like, it's fine if... It's fine to be, like, I can't kill this thing. It's going to tank our whole fleet. But being able to tank your whole fleet and dunk your whole fleet is frustrating. Yeah, and, kind of, and there's no, like, I died to one 
45 today. minutes ago today um, because I was skirmishing around with this malediction because there was a malediction and a stabber and something else on grid. And then we were like pointing each other and messing around. And I was in a Magus trying to, trying to see whose fleet was going to come in and help. And, you know, as a couple of the guys in my fleet were jumping in to try to come kill this malediction, this Varger warps in. And the time between the Varger first firing on me and the Varger killing me was two, two seconds, one gun cycle, because it two shot me with autocannons. And, you know, the time before it locked me was probably five seconds, and there just was no way to disengage from this malediction in that time. You know, there's no... From the time he appeared on D-Scan to the time I died, I didn't have enough time to get away from tackle or really do anything because it was like 10 seconds total. Yeah, and the thing yeah. is it kind of feels like now we're relegated to actually just tackling batters and killing them, which I know that's the meme is that like that's all we do, but really like that's the least exciting part of roaming. Like I catch ishtars to maybe start a fight or hope that someone else will come not because it's super fun to kill this guy that's just pveing like and it feels like now you just can't take a fight in like a staging system like we used to you know go to a staging system poke around and like mess with people until they would form up something but now when they form up something it's just two to four marauders yeah, it feels like uh, 2016 carriers again, right? Where like you had to be like try hard, like snakes or like hunted them in doctrine to be able to roam, and like all of the like casual stuff just gets fucking dunked. So yeah, that's how I feel about it too. It just feels like, and it feels like almost worse, just because like with a carrier, at least you could like burn away faster, you could run off grid, and it would be slow to follow you um like yeah, things like that i feel like you just can't jam or shoot the carrier fighters there's some right. solutions but the marauders are so maneuverable that um if you're not warping off grid you can't really stay out of their range which yeah. like like hodreds you know they do similar dps to marauders and they're similarly unkillable um for a small group that's not prepared for them but once they siege, you've got five minutes and you can just, you can A, you can transversal tank them outside of grapple range and B, you know, you have time. You can move the fight and fight a little bit before they can warp in. And the Marauders, it doesn't, it doesn't feel that way. And maybe, you know, we're just not tryharding enough or something, but it just, I don't know. It doesn't feel like there's a way to play near it or around it in the same way. Yeah, and uh, like another thing with carriers, right, is you could actually bait them out pretty well because like you could actually survive on grid with them for quite a bit. But the, the problem with Marauders, like if you bring like five guys ahead of you, like the Marauders just gonna dunk them. And if you have enough stuff to like actually be able to like survive on grid with a Marauder and kill it, like the Marauder is just gonna dock up because like 30 seconds is not enough. Whereas like five minutes on a Hordred at least gives you enough time, you know, to like ping and get more people out of the hole or whatever. 
Right, and you can also tackle a carrier or a dread way easier, right? You can just drop a bubble and you can do things like put a dictor on grid and hold it there. But with the MJD bonus, you can't do that to a Marauder, right? Like it'll just MJD out of your bubble. So it just feels like all the kind of counterplay that even made like past oppressive ships, you know, like hard, but there was like some way you could do something about it. It just feels like it's not there. Yeah, and there is there are some things you can do about it. You can drop your own dreads on them, in theory, though I have yet to see anyone actually do that because the people who use them for home defense have dreads of their own and you're just going to fucking feed them. But these are the things I hear suggested. You can drop dreads on them. You can bring a dedicated bomber wing and kill them with those bombers. That's a thing you can do, and it only takes five or six extra characters, but, you know... In most small gang groups, five or six extra characters is kind of a big ask. Yeah, and especially if you're roaming, right? Like, you you don't just need five or six extra characers. You need five or six extra characters that can get to you essentially immediately right. without or spooking either... the marauder or feeding <laughs> until you can get them there. Right. So you need to, you know, roll your null six static until you're right next door. Yeah, you can't even drop caps in a lot of situations where you actually fight marauders too, because like a lot of times they're showing up on like ESS grids, and that might be where you you had to start the fight, right? So yeah, you're on an yeah. ESS grid, or you know you're in you're in some frat staging system. Like you know, if you put a dread in there, there's zero zero chance of it leaving again. Especially yeah. with current prices, when like a dread's gonna save back like seven bill compared to like maybe two point five bill for like a semi pimp marauder, like yeah. fairly cheap. I, I guess marauders can go like up to five bill, or like crazy if you're like that rosemary m guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have like uh, I don't know if you've looked, but like the um, dead space shield boosters, XL shield boosters are like insanely expensive because of the fact that everyone's using them on their marauders and everyone's flying vargers <laughs> so yeah. i mean varger or like uh, marauders in general i think are pretty expensive now they're like you know in the three to five bill range so killing them i think killing them is rewarding is the one good thing about the situation right now like if you kill one like you can go wave it around to everyone um, but yeah, I don't think dreads are really a realistic counter. And I think the, the one counter that is realistic, which is bombers is, I mean, again, like you said, 10, it's not super attainable when you're roaming and not necessarily feasible. And then the other thing I'd point out, is like bombers can't go in an ESS. So like, unless you're tackling and holding a marauder outside of an ESS and then trying to get bombers there on the outside of the grid, like the one kind of counter I can think of um, in a situation where it would work well, like you can't really get them in there. Yeah, and it just, it feels very out of scale to me with, um, it feels a little out of sync because there's not a, you know, if the best counter to scissors is other scissors, like rock, paper, scissors is not a functioning game. Um, right. But also, it feels out of scale with capitals. Like, we killed a carrier last night, like I said, with there are nine characters on it, and three of them are me. You know? Like, there's there, that fleet would have zero chance of killing a Marauder. Right. And also, like, I mean, we've killed two 
carriers in the last. I mean, we're both carriers this week, I think, or one might have yeah, been last week, but recently. Yeah, but recently two carriers. When was the last time we killed a marauder? And we've consistently fed to marauders as well. And that's the thing is like um, for carriers, I know there was one that we fed a few ships to, and it actually got away. That was like well fit, and so it feels like it's not you know um, a guaranteed win either way, right? If you tackle a carrier, you're not like oh it's gonna die, and you know on the reverse, it's not like oh like we're gonna feed to this, but. When a Marauder shows up on grid, I'm like, oh, we're either going to leave right now or we're going to feed. Yep. I mean, <laughs> is there anything else to say about Marauders and Marauder balance? Um, I don't know. It's it's a tricky... I think about what I would say about fixing it is that it's tricky. I agree that the, the Mega DPS is like the thing that makes them useful or desirable as a PVE ship and really beneficial. And to some extent, the the E-War immunity is also based that way. Um, so, you know, if, if we're moving away from the in-game description that says they're for marauding around in people's backlines and that's why they're super maneuverable with the MJD and saying they're a PVE ship now, maybe it's time to turn that PV, that uh, MJD bonus back. You know, turn it down so it's every three minutes or something. Um, but really, I think if they had a 50% E-War immunity, that would solve a lot of this because, you know, it would require every tracking disruptor on your tracking disruptor ship to keep contain them, but it could be contained. Yeah, I mean, I think personally, that's what I would want the most is like uh, a reduction to kind of their EUR immunity, because I think it takes, you know, it means that you have to bring some kind of EUR with you. You can't just expect to fight them like straight up, which I'm fine with. Um, it means that there's some counter, but it has to be specific and it still keeps kind of the things that make them unique. Um but like you said, the, it does like kind of make some issues. Like I think about how people used to use Marauders, right? Which would be to like essentially do what they did with Solo Hotreds, where you would take your Marauder, you would jump into someone's system, and you would try to like 1v10 this like flash-formed fleet. And that you couldn't really do if someone was just sitting, you know, at 80 kilometers or 60 kilometers or whatever with a cruise fire, just TDing the shit out of you, right? So... I think like you have to give up kind of one of the the possible ways you can use a marauder. So what but you're right saying is everything. They have to be bad at one thing in order to not be OP. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which I am fine with. I think it's just a matter of uh, what that should be, right? Like if that's the MJD cooldown, if that's UR immunity, if that's the DPS, like I don't think you have to nerf all of them, but I think one of them has to be nerfed and that makes them not just the best ship at doing everything. Yeah, I don't know. Suetonia, what do you what would you change about them? Yeah, I mean, I think there's I think there's good points for every direction, right? And I, I think you know that these are the three ways the CCP should do it is just either the bastion timer the ewar immunity or the mjd uh like cooldown bonus makes sense hey sorry yeah 
Yeah, I mean, personally, I I think the I think changing the E war immunity bonus is probably gonna be the best. I think maybe if they tweak like everything a little bit, maybe that would be okay. Like maybe change the bastion back to sixty seconds, like what it was, and then like re like half the E war immunity, maybe like fifty percent or something. It's so, like Addy says, like maybe some like you know like an alpha character in a crucify doesn't really fuck you, but like if you have like a dedicated Keras or something, you should be able to like stop it from just completely destroying your gang. Yeah. Yeah, and I do think your idea of um like having kind of different bonuses in the different like stages makes sense as well or is interesting. Like if um you were immune when you didn't have Bastion on, like maybe that would give you kind of like a unique chance to like alpha something like a carries that was sitting off you if it wasn't, you know, doing a good job of keeping up transversal or something like that. And then you yeah. could like rebastion, and then that still gives some counterplay. Like, there's a chance for you to kill something that's just sitting far off you in like a direct counter or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and you could still keep the sensor strength bonus anyway, so you're not gonna die to ECM. It'll just be like TDs and damps, and like if you could like time it so you like come out of bastion, then you like force off the carries that's damping you or something. Yeah, and then you can go it back into more... bastion. You know, more active choice choosing. It's not just either you're moving or you're in Bastion, and you use Bastion tactically like that. It could be an interesting mechanism, right? Something that makes it so you actually need skill to use a Marauder, like you need skill to counter Marauder. <laughs> I think like Some that would be the dream. <laughs> yeah, and it would also make it like that would still be like pretty hard to deal with. Like you know, if it, if you talking about like the RT Vargas, right? Like before they Bastion, they would be uh, E-War immune or something. So like you wouldn't be able to TD damp them. And then they would like MGD, like Bastion. And then maybe they can get like a hidden before you're like Karis or like Sentinel damps them. Yeah. Yeah, that would be an interesting solution. So then, they, then he like still gets like the first hit kind of, or you still at least get like one or two like good hits in before you then get TD'd if people are on the ball. But then once once he does that, he can like potentially like get caught there, like get like TD down and then held or something if he like messes up. Right for the for however long you're stuck in Bastion, at least you're committed to that choice. Yeah, I think something like that would be cool. It'd be hard to see like how well that would work or what impact it would really have, especially if you have a grid with like now where you can have like two three Marauders to deal with. But I think it would be like a good first step in the right direction. Yeah, it'd be cool. It'd be interesting. It'd be a little tricky to, you know, to explain via the description on the module, I guess. But, you know, I don't know. It's a complex module on a very high-end ship. I think if it is hard to use, if you're not well-versed in the, the mechanics of the game, that's probably okay. Have we uh, beat Vargas to death now? <laughs> I think I think we've made glue out of this horse. Um, so I think Farrell is still uh, AFK for a second here, and I know he wanted to talk about the Nulsec ecosystem, but I wanted to talk a little bit about um, just organic interaction. And like a couple of these things, a lot of these like these carrier fights we've had, and a lot of the interesting fights and things that I run into. You know, like we caught this carrier last night because it was gating around. 
And we talked about this in the last episode a little bit when we were talking about geography that, you know, the accumulation of skill points and things like someone mentioned to me today how in part of Aquarius they used to take fleets to guard freighter convoys going down this one pipe. And that doesn't happen anymore because there's jump freighters everywhere. So why would you risk it? Um, and to some extent, I think that's just inevitable with a game, the age of Eve. But I think if, you know, the, the, the what we've been talking about, about changing null sec ratting and things to make it more active, the risk there is that it drives those players into doing instance abyssals instead and doesn't increase the number of people or keep, you know, or decreases the number of people out in space moving around. And that's why I, I personally really dislike the no cooldown jump bridges because it just results in less people flying around in space. And that's where a lot of really interesting interactions come from is those unplanned things. And most of the, the null set content lately is these sort of set piece battles between blocks that just, you know, everyone knows where they're going to be because they're on a structure timer. They have a place and a time and it's a, it's a big organized planned thing. And that's fine, I guess, if you're into that. But what I like is the, the unplanned, you know, I jumped into this little gate camp and what am I going to do about it? Right. And those big fights, like it, the other thing that's really frustrating from like being in a big group at one time and doing that kind of thing is like, if the time doesn't work for you, right? Like, let's say it's an hour or two before you get off work, like you have no content, like people aren't doing things outside of those big fights. Or if people aren't doing things outside of those big fights, like you just don't have any content, like you're entire thing and then you can get into like time zone tanking and things like that where like none of the timers will be in your time zone and so there's a lot of things like that where if you don't have organic content outside of timers sometimes you just don't have any content at all yeah for sure and i mean sutona you probably have the best perspective on this because you do solo and small gang which you're also part of volta and you have the sov and these access to these sort of preset battle content so I don't know, what are, your, what are your thoughts about that? Would it be better if people were doing more random individual stuff or does, do you think the, the large group, you know, planned time stuff is valuable? Uh, I think it can be valuable, but I think it would be a lot better, obviously, right? If people were like, if these like smaller scale content was, uh, was just like available everywhere. I think most of this is like a, a problem with like citadel timers and like it being difficult to like generate small gang fights like outside of like tackling radars yeah, yeah that makes sense i will bring up um there's actually been a couple interesting times when the two have kind of interacted and we've had really fun things that have come out of like a structured timer but us organically roaming and then like crashing into someone who's doing like a timer fight and that type of thing. So um, what comes to mind, I actually just put a video out. Um, there was some old footage, but Brave was essentially bashing, I think an Athenor or something like that. And it was a structure timer and they were just doing it in Jackdaws. And it was like me, Feral, AP and a few other people. We just came along it um, 
and we're like, yeah, let's just fuck with these jackdaws. And we ended up getting a really good fight out of it. Um, we got some really good kills, like good coordination, that kind of thing. And like, it was ended up being really enjoyable until they brought a bunch of serps for like five frigates and a couple of destroyers. Um, but like that kind of thing only happens when you have people organically roaming and not just, you know, if it would have just been a timer fight, um, I don't think it would have been like a super unique or engaging or eventful fight. It would have been, you know, 10 Serbs against 10 other Serbs or 10 Munins or whatever they ended up bringing and kind of same thing. So, um, one of the cool things that Noir's done recently is, um, we got contracted to basically support some miners that are mining in Losec. And some of the best fights that Noir has had in a long time has come from basically people scouting these miners while we're protecting them and going like, oh, hey, I'm going to go shoot these miners just organically because they roamed through and saw. And so you get a good fight, even though it's kind of semi-timer based, since it's based on like a rock crack. It's not like people are coming to contest at X time. It's like someone just happened to roam through C and say like, hey, let's go fight this. And it seems like you get so much better content because you also don't get people who are just like pre-staged and pre-prepared for it, right? Like a lot of these timers are like 50 munins versus 50 munins because everyone knows what the other person's three comps are, but you don't necessarily get that when you have these organic fights. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. It's a lot more interesting to fight the four ships someone has on hand than be like, okay, it's going to be Munin versus Munin or Serb versus Munin, you know, or, or Eagles or whatever the, the current NullSec meta is because it's, you know, there's some, some, some tactical choices to be made by the FCs and stuff, but as a, as a member, you know, you know how it's going to go. It doesn't right. feel the like. side's always way better. Like, especially when like both sides are, spontaneous like you're constantly reshipping from the wormhole reacting to what they're reshipping as well and like yes. especially when you you're both losing stuff as well yeah that's a lot of fun and it's it feels a lot more i don't know to me it feels a lot more engaged and like i am paying attention to this because it's you know it's not like i sat down and did the math yesterday afternoon and decided this was the optimal choice and now i'm gonna go do that it's like this is what I'm in right now, and this is what's right in front of me right now, and I have to make these choices. Right, yeah, like the the fight that I kind of described, like we were in Assault Frigates with, I think, a Drogger and like maybe one other, like a Vedmac or something like that, and having a bunch of retries against like six, eight Jackdaws is not the optimal, you know, ships to bring, but it ended up working out really well and ended up being way more fun because it wasn't just like a soft, like, oh, we're going to dumpster on this fleet. Yeah, I, I think a big I think one of the cool things CCP could do to like make this content more is like make answer back skates like more vulnerable. Like I, I don't think you should be able to take them while you're tackled, like in a bubble or while pointed. So then that way like a stiletto or something can like camp one way more effectively. Or you can have like a cloak saber that's like, I don't know, five kilometers off the answer blacks in the way that they're gonna land, and you can use that to like catch people. If it feels like like a lot of time, like unless you have like a super like sensor boosted like hyena or that kind of thing, right? Like you can't really stop them getting back to the gates. They're almost the same size as regional gates, and you can take them while pointed, which is kind of bizarre. Well, they just follow the same rules as regular gates, except that only people you choose can jump through them. 
Yeah, and except you can jump through them and carry as well, hit pointed, uh, and you can put them like 500 kilometers above gates. Yes, and um, you know it's a it's a tremendous home field advantage in maneuverability, and it comes at no real cost. If they had a cooldown, you had to make a choice about whether you're going to use it now or use it later. You know that would be much better. I think it would encourage people to move around the rest of Eve. Yeah, and I think Stitch. I think I don't know whose idea it was. It might have been Stitch Kaneland's idea because we were on like Pandas FC chat together. He he said like a cool idea would be like shutting down the Ansiblex while it's hick pointed. Like if you use a hick oh. with like a scram on a Ansiblex, you could shut it down. It's like maybe you could do like a blockade or something, trying to beta fight in a staging system, where you, you like. Uh, Hick point right. the, the jump bridge and they have to come and fight you. But if you're risking a hick, which is like 300, 400 mil, like it's potentially like a good kill for them as well. Yeah, right. it's like and a it's good. It's not like a reinforcement timer where you're shutting it off for 24 hours. You're shutting it off like only while you are on grid actively shutting it off. But it's enough that it would probably prompt people to come fight you. Yeah, that's kind of a cool idea. And like you said, I think the the fact that there's like a substantial risk to it, right? Like you're not normally just roaming around in hicks. So you would have to maybe do it cautiously or you would have to take something that slows down your your gang a little bit. So it does something that like isn't just like a pure buff. Like it makes it a little bit harder to roam and that kind of thing. That's yeah, that would be sure. interesting. Yeah, I... Um... I have mixed feelings about gate camping and other things, but I do agree with our guests from, from last episode that making Eve's geography more relevant would be, would be cool because it's an interesting strategic and tactical thing, the, the different rules and the different connections and everything. And like, it would reward knowing your way around an area, I think. Yeah, and to be fair, um, there are some ways that jump bridges kind of amplify that. Like um, talking about, you know, pipes, you can do things like forming your staging, take a jump bridge that's kind of ahead in the pipe, and that lets you cut people off because of the geography. Um, I 100% agree that they're like very overpowered in the way they can be used and what you can do with them. But there are some kind of cool things like that where, you know, yeah. you can use them to cut off a fleet but that maybe if that came with some drawback that would be like a more valuable way to still make it impact the geography without making it you know broken yeah if even if just like a, a cooldown or something so that it was like a commitment you know and someone baited your fleet three jump bridges over and that hit you out of a different wormhole somewhere else and you couldn't get back like that would be i think that would be cool yeah, or maybe just like a like a fifteen minute red timer when you take an Antiblex, so that way you can always take one, but then you have to wait fifteen minutes to take the like next one, or do something like in Albion where you I, I haven't played Albion in like two years or whatever, like when it came out, but like you used to link to like a portal, right, and then you could only use that portal from the main city or whatever it was called. So like you could link to an Antiblex, and you could always take that Antiblex back and forth. It so you could still do stuff like. I don't know, move from like the low sec that's next to your null sec to your staging and back and forth in a hauler constantly, but you wouldn't be able to then use another answer blacks for like 15 minutes. Yeah, that's like, that would make sense to me because right now it's just free super travel, you know, and the only thing that it costs is the, the liquid ozone. Um, but the fuel choice is, 
you know, I don't know if it's that the fuel cost is too low or that the fuel mass is too low. Like if you could, if, if it was a, a serious logistics issue to refill it with fuel, that would be another way to make it, you know, limited because then you'd get whoever has to deal with that being like, are you sure you needed to take those seven jump bridges to go dunk that Kestrel? I mean, my limited understanding uh, from like being in a block that used jump bridges is that, you know, even though refilling them can be a hassle, the thing is that it's not the people using it that are refueling it. And so it's one of those things where anyone who is doing things, like you said, like, you know, forming 10 dudes to go kill a Kestrel isn't really bothered by the fact that yeah, they just, can't uh, use it. Yeah. Or that the, they're, it's a pain to refuel or whatever kind of thing. I think they would be more bothered by it if it were more of a pain to refuel. You can dump a ton of fuel in them and enough that it's difficult to run them out in subcaps in any short length of time. Yeah, I guess I, I would hesitate to make any change that just makes it like more painful for a logistics guy that isn't the person doing the action. Like if there was some kind of thing where like a ship had a fuel bay where, you know, it needed to be refilled before it could do more jumps or something like that. Like so you could take jump bridges, but instead of the jump bridge using the fuel, it uses fuel off your ship or something like that. Right. So you could jump bridge out and then you'd have to gate back or something or bring Yeah, or you could take like a finite number of jump bridges before you needed to refuel and that would either take, you know, like you said, some kind of logistics where at the other end you have fuel or like maybe, you know, bigger ships could take more bridges because they'd have a bigger bay or less so that they can't go as far. Like anything like that where it maybe made it so that there was some like soft limit to how many jumps you could take before there was some penalty. And that penalty was like personally on people instead of on some other poor soul that needs to like freighter fuel over. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, um, it sounds like Feral is getting eaten alive by some work stuff. So I just wanted to talk through the point he wanted to make a little bit. Um, and I'm sure he'll have more to say about this later, but you know, the, the way they're changing the cloaks and stuff is a big, you know, this has to be more active and it should, it should go hand in hand with making active ratting and, you know, making people out in space be real life people who are not doing three other things or watching Netflix or whatever else. So I think what he was kind of get at is that the cloak changes feel like putting cloaks at, into a piece of a separate system and the rest of the game needs to be moved into that system too for it to make sense. Yeah, and I think that's a, a fair take on it. I think that seeing the changes now with no context, um, I've been kind of disappointed with them or frustrated with them, but I think what comes next and how that maybe does or doesn't fit into that picture will really cement whether these are maybe better changes than I feel like they are now or worse kind of thing. Yeah, actually, I think that there is some kind of ratting, rat-related update coming because the the fix to the asteroid belt situation where belts were being eaten by NPC rats and then not respawning and then there were no belt rat spawns and so they just moved the belt rat spawns to gates 
like feels so temporary patchy to me that I, <laughs> I desperately hope else. there's another step that they're just like not ready to fully implement yet. So this is a holdover. You know yeah, I, mean? I do think I forget where it was at. I think it was like someone linked me a TIS video and like buried in that TIS video what they talked about um kind of like a, a release like notes or something like that and they hinted at kind of adjusting the I forget what they call it the like risk reward attention trifecta or something is what CCP calls it but basically exactly what we're talking about where you know you need Writing should be more active. There should be some level of risk for it. And there should be some reward that's, you know, proportionate yeah. to the amount of attention and risk that's involved. Yeah, that would be lovely. I hope that that comes soon. And I hope it comes with more, more communication than we've gotten around the last couple of patches. I know it's a lot to keep up with, with the feedback and everything, but, um, it would be amazing if like the feedback forum posts could get updated with the changes when CC updates, because like, I don't know, some of that stuff really frustrates me when you're like, okay, we updated it. Go guess what we did. Yeah. I was like at work uh, the first couple of times that it got changed and was like asking people to take screenshots so that I could look at it and see if I was like more or less upset now. <laughs> But that's, you know, they have hired a couple more um, community relations type people lately. So hopefully they're moving in that direction. Um, yeah, I think that's all the things on our list for today, pretty much. Sutonia, do you have any other items you want to discuss before we start wrapping up? Oh, no, not really specifically. I think we covered uh, most of the things I wanted to talk about anyway, with, like Marauders and like Answer Black's Gates. And those are like the big two things that like small gangs uh, hate right now. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Um, do we have any? Do we have any shout outs, Andy? Uh, shout out to Feral for uh, going to work on a on the like uh, on a like a two minute turnaround. <laughs> yeah, <enough>. poor guy. <laughs> Yeah, so um, for those who don't know, Feral got a work call and had to go in and essentially just took off and had to run. So, um, I mean, he's been super busy work-wise and still doing uh, podcast stuff. So I think just, you know, still keeping everything up along with work being crazy, like, he deserves a shout-out. For sure. He said work just blew up, and I'm... Hopefully that's not literal. Um, but it's, you know, there's some explosive mechanical devices involved in this job. So we'll see. Uh, Sutonia, do you have a shout out? Uh, sure. Yeah. I have a, a big shout out for the, the small gang community. Uh, if you're planning on voting for me for the CSM, like definitely put Stitch Caneland and other small gangers on, on your ballot as well. You get 10 slots if you vote for the CSM. And I'm not sure if I will make it this time around. But I think we have like tons of people in the less than 10 uh, like Discord and just in the small gang community in general that we can at least probably get one person. So uh, I really hope people also vote for like uh, Stitch Caneland, like Arcia Elkin, because she does like solo small gang stuff from Terra. Like people like Rick Javix, who's like involved in FW and he does like solo a ton. Also, like uh, 
Phantomite too, because he also, uh, even though he's not really like a small ganger, I'd say, like he he definitely uh, is very uh, antagonistic when it comes to like, you know, against like blobs and things like that. And with the ranked voting system, it is really important to put more than one person on your ballot. Um, so definitely please do that. Um, I think my shout out's going to be to the various CSM candidates we've had ask us to come on the show and come talk to us and, you know, for the most part, let us take them down whatever road we want to talk about and ignore their CSM positions. But they've been all been really good sports about it. Must be in some uh, stiff competition, I guess. And you guys only did like three shows since, like, since you do it every two weeks, roughly, right? Yeah, it's about every two weeks. So we have had three you and Stitch and um, Isaac are the three uh, people. And actually, I mean, there's the competition isn't that stiff. There's a little bit of like scheduling because of the, the limited slots, but there's only, like you're saying, only three or four candidates who really are of interest to us ever and not all of them i guess are aware of the podcast or or want to be on the podcast yeah and i think the like you said the fact that that's a much smaller pool of all csm candidates i think makes a big difference and the fact that i think i can't remember but last year there was more like broad audience last interview year. Stuff, right? Farrell had a bunch of CSM candidates on at the big same time table, yeah. to have like a big round table. Um, and he was not like never. Again. Not, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was not overwhelmed with how that went. So we've been Sorry, doing I'm back now, by the way. Oh, oh hey, you're back. back. Okay, cool. We yeah, just, just did just shout back. outs and we're kind of wrapping up. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Sorry. Work panic work thing. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah. Uh, do you have a shout out? Uh no, <laughs> not today. Not today. Shout out everybody, you're the best. Right. Everyone is the best. Welcome yeah, yeah. to Eve. Uh, I cool. think it's just uh just the sign off left. If you want to take Man, that, that's easy. Phone work, phone call for like twenty minutes, and then just come back and say the last words right on. Well, yeah, thanks, thanks to Sajonia for joining us, and uh, just remember, it's not the size of your gang. It's how you use it.